stories with an intention. These stories where he takes situations and incidences from what might be everyday life as a way of revealing the kingdom of God. He, he, he taught in parables in sometimes this less direct way for two reasons. One, it was so that those who had a heart to listen and to follow would understand what he's saying. It would be something that they would take home and wrestle with and chew on and build upon. But for those who were just out to get him, and, and Jesus had enemies. There were people who were just waiting for him to say the right or the wrong thing so that they could arrest him, they could expedite the process of what we look back on and see as his crucifixion. And so Jesus taught many times in parables so that those who were just out to get him couldn't trap him in his words, so to speak, in the same way as if he had just said some things outright that those who have ears to hear would hear and those with hardened hearts would not be able to trap him in his words. One of the most famous uh, moments of Jesus' teaching is recorded in Matthew in chapters 5 through 7 in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And this is kind of like the greatest hits of Jesus' teaching ministry all put together in one place. It's where we have the the language that we've been using in July of you have heard it said, but I tell you. This is where we get the the Lord's Prayer that many of us who have grown up in the church have known these words. This is where we get what are called the Beatitudes, the famous words of blessed are the poor in spirit, etc., etc. This is Jesus' manifesto of life in the kingdom of God. What it looks like To live life his way. And at the very end of this manifesto, this sermon, this treatise on kingdom life, Jesus concludes it with a parable. This is what we're going to be looking at today. At the front of your handout, you should have Matthew 7 verses 24 to 27. That's what we're going to be spending most of our time in today. This is what Jesus says. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it'll collapse with a mighty crash. Now, I've never built a house, uh, but I am proficient in Lego. Um, But with the age of my kids right now, one and a half and three, they're kind of below the Lego stage right now. So we can't, I, I, I have yet to enfold them into my life's joy of Lego bricks. But what we, when we build together, it's usually with just kind of like the plain little wooden blocks, building blocks. Like, you've seen them, you've heard of them, you've stepped on them if you were a parent. The problem with these building blocks is um, 
I'm not able to build anything before my two kids, also known as the floods and the winds, come and knock it all down. There is nothing securing them. There is no kind of foundation. There is no possibility of me ever trying to build a house with my boys and with the blocks that we get to play with. But Jesus, on the other hand, is speaking of something much weightier. Something much deeper than playing blocks and building a house with your kids on the floor. He chooses to end his sermon with this parable about wisdom and foolishness. With a parable about shelter and disaster. About whether we will actually do what he says or not. This sermon is great. The teachings are profound. But will we walk away from an encounter with Jesus and hearing his words and say, wow, that was engaging, but it have no bearing on our life? Will we walk away from hearing the greatest teacher and respond by putting his words into practice? Let's dive into this parable a bit deeper. Think of what these builders are doing that Jesus compares the wise and the foolish to. They're building a house. And building a house, it is is an important thing. This isn't like some kind of trite decision. This isn't me going into Lucky Bean and choosing, do I want my coffee hot or over ice today? Like a, a, a decision that despite the heat yesterday really has no bearing on my life. But when it comes to building a house, That's weightier. This is your life savings. This is your safety. This is your family's well-being and future and what you are putting them into. Jesus, in, in using this kind of weighty language of it's building a house, not just choosing your coffee, choosing what clothes to wear, He's showing us the the weight of what it is to follow or not follow what Jesus says. Like the song we just sang. He's inviting us to build our lives on the foundation of what he says and what he invites us into. Do we see the choice here not just as something that is trite, and inconsequential, but something that we are banking our life on. It's Him as the foundation, or it's sand. The wise builder in this parable is wise because he understands the gravity of what he's doing. The weight, both literally and figuratively, of what he's building. He knows what's at stake. And so chooses to build on the right foundation. It's his life and the safety of his family. Do we realize the gravity? That we're either going to stake our life on Jesus and following his way, or we're going to say, no, I'm going to decide and do my own thing. I could follow Jesus' way and put his teaching into practice, or we can follow the tide of what is popular and say, no, I... I'm going to decide for me what the good life is. I'm going to be the one who chooses what is right 
and what is wrong. I will live by the whims of my desires and impulses. My life is about me, and so you can't tell me what is wrong or what is meaningful. This is the way that most of us, most of humanity, particularly in our part of the world, choose to live life. But is that foundation strong enough? Think about what's coming. The bad weather. This parable assumes that storms are coming, that there's going to be rain and floods and wind. And I think it's a realistic assessment of the world where we never know what's coming around the corner. We talked about this last week. We don't know what the next season holds. And for many of us, the the pandemic has been this helpful reminder that things can just be shaken up and taken from us without much warning at all. Most of us have or will experience these kind of storms. It's not if they will come. But the question is, when these kinds of storms come, what do you have as your foundation? Can your foundation handle what is coming? A life that's built around the teachings and work of Jesus is one that is given to humanity by the creator of the cosmos who's come in the flesh and has lived human life. He designed it and he's lived it and he shows us the best way of life. Will that be our foundation or will it be a life that is built on the ever-shifting sands of popular opinion? of the faddishness of the globalized internet culture or the expectations of our parents or the community that we've grown up in. When the flood comes, when the winds blow, when you receive the diagnosis that takes away your dreams of what the last decades of your life are going to be. When the sibling that you've grown up so close to betrays you when it comes to your parents' will. When your company downsizes and careers have to be rethought. When you're in a stage of life and have kids and feel like it's way more than you can handle and your expectations for what life is are out the window. Can the foundation you've been living on Stand up through that. Can it handle the unpredictability and the apparent unfairness of what life is? Jesus is recorded uh, telling a version of this parable in the Gospel of Luke as well. And in Luke's version, Jesus is much more blunt. And I think that's sometimes helpful for us. In Luke 6.46, he says, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, When you don't do what I say, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and follows it. And then he goes into the parable. They're like a wise person who builds their house on a rock. We can sometimes get caught up in a picture of Christianity that says, well, as long as I believe the right things, as long as I am refining my theology, 
the putting it into practice takes a back seat is much less important. It's a Christianity of doctrine over doing. A one that emphasizes faith over following. And I want you to hear me say this, that I am not advocating that we are, we are saved by the good things that we do and Jesus only smiles on us when we do good things for him. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about taking seriously the words of Jesus where he says, come follow me. Be my disciple. I'm taking seriously the fact that in the early decades of the church, this movement that spread out of Judaism, believing that the Messiah had come in Jesus, was called the way. Literally a way of life. A path that was walked following Rabbi Jesus. I'll be the first to admit the importance of good theology. And, and maybe I'm preaching to myself here. But I, I'm learning that right theology isn't enough. Anyone can say, okay, I agree intellectually to these ideas. And I know in my own walk, I have spent a lot of time where I have been focusing on pinpointing the, the right theology in a way that has been maybe a distraction or maybe relieving me from feeling the need to actually walk it out in my day-to-day -day life. Imagine yourself as part of the crowd sitting there during Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. As he's speaking these famous words that we read in Matthew 5 through 7. And you could listen to him and you could say, oh, yeah, okay, I agree. Wow, this is profound. This, this checks the boxes theologically and intellectually I say yes. But then walk away and it has no impact. Or we could be wise builders. Wise builders who know the weight of what it means to have the right foundation. What is at stake on whether we actually put the creator of the universe's words into practice or not? Wise builders who know that weather is coming and that there are going to be plenty of storms in life and we're going to need the right foundation to be able to get through it. Wise builders who know that other foundations, even the most popular ones that we see our friends putting up around us, are not going to hold up. Wise builders who follow, who become disciples, who simultaneously are apprentices of a rabbi who lived 2,000 years ago, yet walking with him today, knowing he is with us by his spirit, present to his followers today. Knowing this, seeking to be wise, we say, yes, okay, I'll, I will follow. And so it affects my life. It, it affects the way that, that I begin to think and, and live out my relationships. And so when I hear Jesus talking about relationships, it's going to challenge the way that I would naturally do it. 
And I have to do the hard work of setting aside, okay, this is how I would do it and say, all right, now that I'm following King Jesus, what is his way? That means when someone wrongs me, instead of seeking revenge, I am going to seek reconciliation. Instead of in conflict, when my natural inclination is to want to get angry and violent, is to turn the other cheek and nonviolently seek reconciliation and restitution. In how I approach my work, that it is not something that entirely defines me where my career is who I am. And at the same time, work is not this drudgery thing that, oh, I just have to get through or not work hard at because I just need to pay bills. But actually, I'm created for the good work that I am to do. Something I am working on in my own life right now in terms of putting the words of Jesus into practice is to let my yes be yes and my no be no. Because I can way easily overcommit and say, oh yeah, I can, I can do that and get that done. And realize by the end of the day, there's, there's no way that I'm actually going to be able to. And if I was honest with myself and not trying to please other people, I would have just said, no, I'm, realistically, I can't do that. Jesus is going to speak into how I handle my money. Where for me it is going to be something where I am naturally going to want to hoard it and be greedy with it and build my own wealth. Where Jesus calls me to realize that it's a provision from God and something he's going to use to provide for others through it. And calls me to generosity. He's going to challenge what I seek out as entertainment. Because what might be the most popular series on Netflix, I know that I can't watch without, in my heart, becoming an adulterer. And so I choose not to. What areas of your life have yet to be open to the Lordship of Jesus? Where is He knocking and waiting to transform? Where is He inviting you to follow to be a wise builder who puts his words into practice. One last thing. Drilling into bedrock um, is hard work. And I can only imagine the work of trying to build a foundation in rock in like the first century in when Jesus is speaking. When they don't have jackhammers and all the tools and heavy machinery that we do. It is hard work. I, um, I got a hammock as an early birthday present and I've been anchoring it in underneath our deck in a beautiful shaded spot, which has been nice over the last couple days. But knowing just even the difficulty of like drilling into the, the two by sixes and then like by hand screwing in those anchors for my hammock, like that is hard work. My, my shoulder by the end of the day from those two anchors... Anyway, maybe that's telling more about my physical fitness than is a helpful sermon illustration. But it's hard work to, to set up something strong, to invest in a, a strong foundation. It is going to be quicker and easier and more common to set up ter- temporary and shaky structures 
on sand than it is to go deep and do the good work, the hard work of building a foundation on the way of Jesus. But let me tell you that communities that have built themselves around the way of Jesus have changed things. I think of of one example from kind of church history. In, in the dark ages after the fall of the Roman Empire, in the like early medieval era, where sometimes maybe we're tempted to look back and say, oh, like Europe has all these cathedrals and everything. Everyone was a Christian and everyone went to church and all these kind of things. The dark ages were a brutal time. There, there are more people that go to church now than did then. But what was interesting in this time in Europe where culture was in collapse, where morality was unknown, where the church in many ways was corrupt. There were monastic communities that developed who men and women signed up to live a life together built around the way of Jesus, built around his teaching about trying to instill what he is saying into their lives. And these monasteries throughout the, the early medieval period in through the Middle Ages became the, the preservation of culture and really of the Christian faith throughout a dark time in Europe's history. It was doing the hard work of building a foundation around the teachings of Jesus that preserved much of even the great early writings of the church that were upheld in these communities. We look at the 1700s in a time where the Church of England was losing its influence in, uh, in the British Empire. Where this cultural Christianity mixed with, um, mixed with the ongoing reality of human sinfulness. We look back, we assume, oh yeah, well, way back then lots of people were religious. It was a dark time. But there were groups of people, there were communities that gathered together, one in particular called the Moravians, who got together and they, they lived on a farm in Germany and they, they prayed together. They built their lives around the teachings of Jesus and were praying constantly and constantly for God to do a work in the church, to bring revival in Europe and around the world in the places where the British Empire was reaching. And a man named John Wesley heard of these Moravians and and went and visited this farm and became greatly inspired by their faith, their devotion to prayer, and their life built around the teachings of Jesus. And that sparked a, a passion and a fire in him. And God ended up using John Wesley out of this inspiration and passion to spark one of the greatest revivals in, uh, in Britain and in North America that has ever happened. Communities, when they have built their lives around the teachings of Jesus, are places where God does mighty work. The church is called to be a community built on a rock. I don't know if you remember the, that moment when Jesus is talking with Peter and Peter says, oh, you are, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And, and Jesus utters the kind of famous words, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not withstand it. 
will not prevail against it. We're called to be a people who build our lives on a rock. Called to be disciples who together do the good hard work of reordering our lives, our desires, our priorities, our dreams around the way of Jesus. And this will at times be hard. It means going against often our natural inclination, our natural way of doing things. But we get our cue from a Savior who endures hard things. We, we take our cue from, from a God who came in the flesh, who entered in the difficulty of first century Jewish life. We take our cue from a, a God, a Savior, who rather than enjoying the status He deserved, came as a servant, endured the cross, and won the victory through resurrection on the other side. We have a Savior who leads us not to run from the hard thing but walks with us through them to the other side. He's the only foundation that will get us through. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we are better listeners often than doers. Better at agreeing with our minds than saying yes with our, our hearts and our actions. Jesus, would we see the weight of building our lives around you? Would we see the reality of the difficulties that life will bring and how you're the only foundation that will work? Would you help us to reorder ourselves? Would you help us to shape our lives around your way? To follow you, not just with our minds, with our hearts, with our hands, with our feet, with our relationships, with our work, with our money, with our time, that our lives would be marked as those who have gone all out and built a strong foundation on the only rock that can uphold it. In your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand. We're going to continue to sing together.